This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome back into the door report. Episode 233 on a lovely August 28th, a Monday evening. I am Will Byram, joined as always by my co-host Trevor Hoolan. The Door Report here is presented by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first-time home buyer or just looking to move homes, Corey Perkins is the go-to guy in the Middle Tennessee area. You can reach out to Corey at 615-987-8623, or you can reach out to him via email at Corey Perkins at Realtracks, Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Again, that phone number is 615 987 8623. You can text or call Corey and he'll be more than happy to guide you through your home buying process. Trevor, we actually have real football to recap. Previews are not done because we have Alabama AM coming up later this week, but we have real live 2023 college football. How are you feeling? It honestly does not feel real. It, it, euphoric is is a great way to say it euphoric's a good word if you can't tell based on my voice in the intro it's doing a little bit better you can probably tell from trevor's voice we were screaming our hearts and souls out inside of first bank stadium on saturday night we got to get this recap recorded got to get it out uh so that we can actually record a preview of next week's game we're doing two episodes a week during college football season so these episodes may be more like 45 minutes but you know what this episode is trevor it's gritty so gritty this is the grittiest vanderbilt podcast you'll find on all the internet if you think we sound bad right now oh man here comes phoebe just little camera hog um if you think we sound bad right now you should have heard us yesterday um we actually tried to record on sunday but we had a little impromptu meeting and we were like we literally sounded so bad we were like I, look, we can't record. Every single person listening would have thought we were about to break out into tears the entire episode without any explanation. That's what it sounded like. Me and Trevor yep. sounded so sad. My mom thought something terribly, terribly <laughs> wrong had happened. I mean, it wasn't a great Sunday for your boy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we won't get into that. It's almost comical, but the doors did pull off a 35 to 28 victory over Hawaii. A little bit too close for comfort. But we have a lot to get into here on this recap episode. The game day experience, the lot to experience, the TDR tailgate experience. We will get into that very briefly before we recap the Hawaii game, get into that box score, and then get into me and Trevor's three main takeaways from game one 
in week zero for the Commodores. But before we get into that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Emphasize again, if you're listening to this, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are getting every single episode posted. We're going to try to get it up earlier and earlier. It's taken us a little bit longer uh, to get those videos edited and, and uploaded. My full blame is on Phoebe, our production crew. Phoebe, have anything you to say s- for yourself? Sniff the mic. There we go. It has nothing. But do subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're working on improving that content, and we're going to work on getting a little more timestamps in there. I think that's the next progression here is, is getting it more segmented out. But our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Oh God. I was holding that. That in. was, Oh, were you I really? Was, that was, was impressive, dude. That was, a, that was an acidic. Dude, I- Trevor, we're back, baby. We're so back. And Trevor's okay. Trevor's voice is recovering. It's improved from yesterday. Yes. He's not about to burst into tears. He's actually doing pretty okay, I think. I'm we'll, doing great. We'll, yeah. We will learn as we get through this Hawaii recap how Trevor's mental state currently is. But, Trevor, we had a pretty fantastic tailgate out in Lot 2. The TDR flag was flying high. We're working on getting a real flagpole to actually fly the flag high, but it was hanging up on the tent uh, next to a couple of Vanderbilt flags. We had some special guest appearances uh, from the Vanderbilt administration. Barton briefly stopped by brought me some waters, brought us some waters to make sure that the gritty boys out in the parking lot were staying hydrated. We made sure to mix in a couple waters despite some tweets that I had. And then (laughs) the legend, AD Candace Story Lee, stopped by again. Part two of your AD would never. Trevor, give the the people a recap of of what that Lot 2 tailgate was like. Lot 2 was, uh, as my favorite director, Martin Scorsese, would say, Absolute cinema. Lot two from as soon as the gates opened to as soon as the gates closed was an absolute movie. Um, bright and early in the morning. I'm actually shocked at how many people we had come out like right at like 8 30, 9 o'clock. It was shout out, shout out to Dylan, shout out to Preston. It was, I mean, it was it was very we had impressive. Some boys out there early. The, the boys pulled up early. It was awesome. And then do just as the day kept going along, man, all of a sudden. I'm just throwing football, and all of a sudden, I see Barton Simmons come up. And I'm like, what in God's name is going on? And here comes Barton Simmons. And then um, Candace Story Brought us some Aquafina. Yes, Aquafina, uh, Pepsi, PepsiCo product, which is the official sponsor of uh, Vanderbilt Concessions. Um, and then the GOAT. The GOAT. Candace Story Lee pulled up. Doctor. Oh, my God. Phoebe is pulling the. No. No. Trying to rip the TDR. She flag. is trying. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh my God, this cat. All right. Okay. Keep going. I think we're good now. As I was saying, the goat, Candace Story Lee, pulls up uh, with her mother and father, who are very sweet people, along with the Vanderbilt provost, who looked like she saw something straight out of Vietnam when she pulled up. She was. A she looked concerned. shocked. I will say the lot two tailgate. 
It got a little wild. It got a little rowdy. Got a little out of hand. There were <laughs> there's some keg stands being done. It's a lot of solo cups. A lot of uh, a lot of chasers. People throwing chasers everywhere. A lot of water flowing. I'll say that we had we had a bachelor party. Uh, we did shout out to George. I'll there, from we Boston. had some Hawaii fans there. There were mixed emotions about that. Trevor didn't like it. I hated it. People kept hating on me. They're like, dude, be nice to these people. I, like, I'm, I'm going always, to be nice, but why? Okay. God, I'm like, dude, get these people. I don't mixed, want to be around. Them. Mixed feelings about that. My opinion is when you're playing an out-of-conference opponent, it's different. Kentucky fans or Georgia fans would not have been as openly invited into the tailgate as the Hawaii fans. They brought Hawaiian chocolate. They brought candy. They brought food. They gave us a lot of money, actually, so to, to help pay for some of the drinks. They brought drinks, so I'm not going to complain. The Hawaii people were actually great. They caused no issues. If you say so. If I say so. Whatever. We'll move on from that. But also... The homies, Tommy Eccles and Jack Barton pulled up an absolutely spectacular fits. Black and gold striped overalls. Mm -hmm. It was immaculate. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm with my dad. I'm talking to my dad and Axel. Shout out Axel. All of a sudden, somebody comes up to me and just gives me a smack on the butt. And I turn around. And looming over me is the absolutely ginormous Gavin Shoulders. <laughs> and he goes, what's up, dude? And I was just sort of taken aback. I was like, I cannot believe this is my life. And Gavin Schoenwald and Ben Bresnan pulled up. They were absolutely awesome. Took some photos with those guys. It was a, it was cinema, I might add. I think people, after seeing photos that we, that we take at these tailgates with some of the people from Vanderbilt, meet us in person and are like, I thought you guys were both going to be like five foot six tiny guys i'm like no we're kind every, of big every single person that we take pictures with is like six three plus even like barton simmons is like a beefy six two six two and a half i think he's like, taller I think yeah he's, like he's six, a big three. he's a big guy like candace Roy lee's like six four gavin schoenwald and ben bresnahan awesome guys came to the tailgate yep. for a while talked for a bit and we've talked to them before gavin's been a guest of the podcast before they are massive it's man they are just big. they are just large men in that picture, the, I think you actually posted it on Instagram. I had to do a double take. I was like, who's that tiny guy? And I was like, that's me. That, that's me <laughs> at six foot 170 looking like I'm five foot five, a buck 30. But it's fine. Gavin and Ben were fantastic. The tailgate was great. Uh, we'll be back out there next week. More information on that to come in the Alabama A&M preview that will be dropped later this week. But Trevor, we have a football game to get to. It feels so good to finally be talking ball. The Hawaii recap. Talking football, baby. So I'm going to go through this Hawaii game quickly, kind of possession by possession. The ESPN breakdown. What are you? What are you? I'm so about? sorry. Before to interrupt you, can we talk about the experience of getting the? Uh, there's the something. There's something I sort of want to hit on with the lightning delay because I saw a lot of hot topic tweets. I'll keep it brief, but I saw a yeah, lot of hot topic tweets on. about that. Um, and then after that, I want to get your experience on just how it was getting in and out of First Bank Stadium. First off. Uh, TDR can officially say me and me and Will are united in this cause. We hate lightning delays. They're miserable. Um, it, it didn't ruin the vibe, but like, it made me very, ang I got, I got really angry. We had beer and food perfectly timed for a 6 30 PM kickoff. It was awesome. It, it would have been perfect. And then there was a two hour delay and we ran out of beer and we ran out of food. So that's yeah. a small complaint, but the lack of updates, was also concerning. I know that's not on Vanderbilt necessarily. That's done by the SECs. I'm burping again. 
We've got gritty. But we're war- gritty, we're yeah, going through it. It's rejecting this uh, Miller Lite I'm doing for show right now. It's not enjoying it after how many I drank Saturday. I know that's not on Vanderbilt, but the SEC or something, you were just sitting out in no man's land. You yep. had fans out there tailgating, sitting out literally under metal tents and under trees, just waiting on some kind of update because they're not going to go back to their cars and break everything down. They're not going to try to get into the stadium. Everyone was just kind of standing like, ah, what's going on? And Vanderbilt University tweeted out like, we have to delay 45 minutes or 30 minutes every time there's a lightning strike within an eight-mile radius. And I was like, thank you, but at least give us an estimated start time and give us a reset every time that happens. But that's not necessarily on them. No, and that's something I wanted to I wanted to talk on because shout out and I get all of our information from uh, regarding this topic uh, from Austin Smalling. Shout out to him; he's part of the Door Report, a new writer for us. Um, for those of you and it's Phoebe, it's like clockwork, just attacks the mic. I don't know what is wrong with her tonight. Um, Austin, he's a part of TDR now. Was previously with Vanderbilt uh, football and worked in the operations department, and I, I saw a lot of like tweets at Vanderbilt angry tweets and even even I was like tweeting at them like let me in um and I sort of asked him I was like okay whenever there's a lightning delay or a weather delay what is that like who's making the shots who's making the calls and I asked him and he goes it's all SEC NCAA he's like if there is a lightning strike within an eight mile radius north south east west any direction of of the stadium the SEC will call it in now, a lot of people, and rightfully so, I'm right there with you. We were like, where are where are weather updates? What, when do we know? Vanderbilt just kept saying to the media and take on their shelter. Twitter to take shelter, and we will provide an update as soon as we can. People are like, oh, well, why don't you have an update? The reason they don't have an update is because they are not the one making the update. The SEC is the one who tells Vanderbilt when they can go out, when they can stretch. And it's when all, they it can was leave. also one of those weird situations where the storm didn't really hit overhead of First Bank Stadium and where Vanderbilt's univer- Vanderbilt University's campus is located. It was it missed a little bit. It did rain, but a majority of the actual heavy storms never really hit. Yeah. So it was kind of one of those weird like, what's going on? What are we waiting on? What is this situation? But I thought Vanderbilt did a really good job getting everyone in. I thought that they did line, a great job. That line was very long, and it was all the way down with the uh, Natchez Trace. Yeah, down Natchez Trace. It was so long, and I was like, oh, my God, they are never going to get all these people in in time for kickoff. There were like 45 minutes till kick. Me and you were waiting together with your dad. We were freaking out. We're yeah. like, there's no way we and get in. And that now. line moved very quickly. So shout out to the ticket takers and shout out. Uh, to everybody at Vanderbilt for just getting people in that stadium they because that could job. that could have been an absolute disaster with the construction going on and probably already limited uh, ability to facilitate a crowd of that size trying to get in all at once mm-hmm. instead of over a two-hour period. Yeah, I thought they did an absolutely phenomenal job. But like we said with the lightning delays and the weather delays, I get it. It's easy to tweet at Vanderbilt, but whenever they say they have no update, it is because the SEC is not giving them an update. So that's how that works. Um, whenever Vanderbilt finds out information, I, I was told by Austin, they tell it immediately. Um, so if they are saying they don't have information, 
it is because the SEC and their SEC liaison are not giving them information. So a little bit of clarification on that. Yeah, and then one tiny little small game day thing. I thought overall, good job by Vanderbilt. They got all the little light sticks handed out pretty well. A lot of hard hats handed out, got gold shakers handed out. They did a really good job of that, given the situation. The light show was awesome. It was dude. really that awesome. Was a, the lights, really cool. the new LED lights, I was just about to hit on that, were an incredible addition. That really was awesome. Was and, it, and as the crowds continue to get better and bigger and Vanderbilt builds momentum, that was that was really awesome. Like, like truly stepping Vander, the Vanderbilt game day experience up just a little bit with that. The only complaint that I really do have on the construction is on the scoreboard for a second had one giant panel that was flashing in and out at the beginning of the game. They fixed that issue or it magically just stopped glitching. Oh, yeah. Whatever happened, I was about to say, you've got to be kidding me just immediately. But I know with the weather that the Vanderbilt administration was like, you've got to be shitting me. Yeah. Every, them in a terrible spot. Everything they did to get the Star Walk going, and then they just have to cancel it due to lightning. They were like, you've got to be kidding me. All this prep we did, and now everything, all the game day stuff is just throw it out the window. We just got to scramble. So shout out to them for it not blowing up. It could have easily been a disaster a situation. They managed it, handled it. Everybody that was involved in that, good job. The main complaint I do have, I sit in Section A uh, on the home side. The concession options, I understand they're going to be limited, but there were just like sausages next to Section A, hot dogs, popcorn, that's it. But apparently there was Puckett's barbecue nachos, which I always look forward to every year, Where? available on the other side, on the visitor side. Oh, and you really? can't get into that side currently because no. of the construction. So once you're in on the home side, you can't get over there to get your puckets nachos on the visitor side. So I never got to see what was actually available, but I heard murmurs from my father who also enjoys the puckets barbecue nachos routinely on Saturdays uh, watching the Commodores play that they're, that they were available on the other side, but not on the home side. So maybe think about flip-flopping that maybe, maybe get some better concession options there on the home side, but that's, that's a pretty small complaint to be had for what could have been a very disastrous game day experience. Yeah, I agree. Overall, as soon as the lightning delay hit, I think every Vanderbilt fan was like, oh my God, here we go again. Um, and I remember walking down Natchez Trace and just seeing the line of people waiting to get in. And, so and whenever we met up, we we saw each other. We go, oh my God, this is... I looked at my dad and I go, "They're not. we're not going to be able to get in by kickoff. And we were in line at 6 o'clock. Yeah, I'm not we're not going to be able to Trevor left a little earlier than me. And I'm not saying I cut line. I was out there since 8 a.m. tailgating in lot two. So I have a little excuse. I jumped in line with Trevor, who had also been waiting. So I skipped just a little bit of the line. So sorry. I hate people that do that. But I did do that just a little bit. Trevor, we need to get into this yeah, Hawaii recap here. So enough about the game day experience. Give us your thoughts uh, underneath the podcast when we release this on Twitter. Uh, or in the comments on YouTube, but it's time to get to the actual game and the actual recap. So I'm going to go really quickly uh, through kind of the game and the flow of the game here. ESPN's play-by-play -play scoring summary is all screwed up, so I had to go through and make my own notes. So let's hope I don't screw it up too badly. So correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. I wish we had a production crew, but I, you can see my scribbled down notes for the first and the second half here. Let's hope I do a decent job. So Opening possession, Vanderbilt deferred. Hawaii got the ball first, three and out, high snap, shanked punt from Hawaii. 
Vanderbilt immediately takes that, scores a touchdown on a 21-yard run from Patrick Smith. Seven or six nothing doors. And then after the best run of the game, pretty much from the Vanderbilt run, rushing attack, what in the hell was that two point conversion? We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to, we're not going to discuss that. Vanderbilt made an attempt to go for two, not my favorite attempt. You can watch the replay if you would like to, but it was pretty odd, pretty weird to start out. It would have been nice if it would have worked smoothly, but an odd time to do that after the first touchdown of the season. It was kind of everybody in the stands was like, what the hell was that? But I guess that's the time to try something weird like that. I don't know, but maybe not. Then Vanderbilt gives the ball back to Hawaii on the kickoff. Touchdown pretty quickly. Pass interference on Tyson Russell. Shocker. We saw that the entire game. Hawaii kicks the extra point, goes up 7-6. to six. Vanderbilt receives the ensuing kickoff. Jaden McGowan, 97-yard touchdown. Shake. Jaden Shake McGowan, baby. Beep, beep. First kick return for a touchdown in nine years since Darius Sims versus South Carolina. I read that somewhere. I think that was 2014. I vividly remember being at that game. Something about dudes who wear six and take kick returns, baby. Something about that. And that was an explosive electric play. Was the fastest and highest miles per hour reached by any player in week zero. 21.6 miles per hour from Jaden McGowan. Uh, That's been going around social media quite a bit. Impressive play. I want to see him return more kicks. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit. But Trevor, there were a few times throughout this game that Jade McGowan fair caught kicks. What are your opinions on that? Um, Honestly, I don't hate it. You're guaranteed to start at the 25-yard line. I get it that you probably don't want him to after you just saw him take one back 97 yards. Um, but analytics every single time are going to suggest that you fair catch that ball. Um, now analytics aren't always right. Uh, and so whenever you have somebody back there like that, who is a game wrecker, uh, you probably do want to see him take it back a little bit more often. Um, I don't hate it though, to be honest with you. I did see a lot of people who, who really had some issue with it. Uh, and I'm not really one of those guys. It seemed like when they got the directional kick to one side of the field, then McGowan, begrudgingly fair caught it. I want to see him trying to make plays. I mean, if you have that ability, especially as they get into SEC play, that's a game-changing play right there. Vanderbilt stole that momentum back instantly with McGowan, so I'd like to see him take more kicks back. I know he is a playmaker on the offense, so you run the risk of getting him injured, but he has he reminds me a bit of Warren Norman back there. I know that's a name we don't drop very often or drop enough, but it is a storied name in Vanderbilt history, a career cut short by injuries, but he has he has shades of Warren Norman returning kicks. So McGowan takes it back 97 yards. Vanderbilt converts a beautiful two-point conversion to Quincy Skinner Jr., uh, one of his few plays of the game that he really made an impact. I think he had a lingering hamstring issue uh-huh. uh, that prevented him from doing more, but a good route, great route, even though he slipped in a great pass from Swan, 14-7 doors. Vanderbilt then forces a pretty quick three and out uh, from Hawaii punt 55 yards. Vanderbilt gets the ball. Uh, Vanderbilt immediately goes down and scores a touchdown. Uh, Will Shepard's was that Will Shepard's first touchdown of the game? Yes. Yes, Seven yard reception for Will Shepard from AJ Swan. Uh, A majority of that drive was penalties on Hawaii. You had a pass interference on Hawaii and a defensive holding penalty on Hawaii that moved Vanderbilt down the field. 
uh, a good pass to Will Shepard for 16 yards earlier in that drive that ended in an A.J. Swan to Will Shepard touchdown pass. Then Vanderbilt gives the ball back to Hawaii. Uh, at this point, you're into the second quarter. Uh, I'm, do, I'm doing my best to recap this. ESPN has it all mismatched here. <laughs> you can see it on my screen, so I've got my scribbled down notes. Hawaii hits a big play. This is Hawaii's fourth possession, 14 minutes, 48 seconds left in the second quarter. Huge bomb on fourth and four. Brendan Shager, Braden Shager to McBride for 45 yards. Who was trailing him on that play? Was that Anderson or, I think or Russell it, I on think that it one? Was, I think it was BJ. I think that one was BJ Anderson. Multiple times throughout this game, Hawaii's receivers burned Vanderbilt secondary. Just straight up ran right by him, and Shager dropped the ball in a bucket to Hawaii receivers multiple times. Hawaii closed the gap 21-14. to 14. Vanderbilt gets the ball back with 13.03. Good drive from the doors. Stopped on fourth down at the 32-yard line of Hawaii. I like the call to be aggressive. I do. Correct me if I'm wrong at this point in the game. This is when Vanderbilt went for it on fourth, Trevor. Am I right? Yes, this is the no huddle situation, I believe. Yep, I think so. Uh, Vanderbilt fails on the fourth down conversion. They were at the 32-yard line of Hawaii. would have been a 49-yard field goal. Obviously, Clarkley's assumption is he's not confident in the leg of the kicker, was more confident in converting a fourth down play. Does that cause a little bit of concern for you, or was that more of a momentum call? I see. I don't think that was a kicker thing. I think that was a momentum call only because they went into that hurry up on True. fourth and four. It was fourth and four, I believe. Went into a hurry up on fourth and four. Um, and we're just absolutely discombobulated. I mean, it was a disaster of a, of a sequence. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's not trusting Burchilla. I think that is just, um, I think that's just momentum. Now, if they'd, if they'd have huddled up, um, drawn up a play, I would be a little bit more lenient, not lenient, um, but suspecting that it is maybe not trusting the leg of Jacob, but the fact that they huddled up to the line really makes me think that that was just an analytic. Um, you have the momentum, catch him napping, maybe have them hopefully jump early, um, get a free play, which did happen later at the game. So Hawaii takes over at their own 32 or own 36, 850 left in the second quarter. A very weak, unsportsmanlike penalty on Devin Lee. Terrible. Terrible. Awful. The the Hawaii lineman kind of drives him a little bit late. Devin Lee kind of starts to almost push the lineman while he's down and kind of pulls up. He It's like he resists what he was about to do that would have been a justified personal foul on sportsmanlike conduct penalty. And then the referee just threw the flag anyway. Yep. It was awful. Go back and watch it. He did nothing. Absolutely nothing, and Devin I hope Lee, the coaching staff sees that. Devin Lee defeated the intrusive thoughts and still got in trouble. And I'm in. You brought up. Um, I hope the coaching staff saw it. Um, if nobody has listened to the Commodore Hour yet, Clark Lee actually in the Commodore Hour with uh, Andrew Allegretti tonight brought up that specific play and said, "quote That was really tough for me to swallow." In regards to them calling that he goes I went back and watched that and I'm going to be honest that was really hard for me to swallow it, it was like Devin Lee did what you would want the player to do that he kind of got hit just a little bit on the edge right as the whistle was blowing maybe a little bit late a little bit dirty nothing crazy from the Hawaii player and was about to go take that extra shot and pulled up he touched him and went nope that's dumb and still got the flag anyway terrible call Hawaii drives down this is the fumble 
into the end zone that was reviewed and overturned by the big boy that I wanted by the big to, boy that you wanted to see run. As soon as he went free, I literally was, I was standing there and I go, Oh my God. This is what you wanted. Number <laughs> go, zero from Hawaii. Oh my God. Rumbling down. Rumbling, bumbling, fumbled stumbling. at the one yard line, recovered by a Hawaii player at the half yard line, a false start penalty on Hawaii. And then one of the few unexplainable decisions and, and really bad decisions from Shager throughout the game. Great, great play from DeRicky Wright. I don't know if Shager was trying to throw that ball away or what happened, but he did not throw it far enough out of bounds. And DeRicky Wright made an incredible play with the toe tap in the back of the end zone. He had him, he had him absolutely, DeRicky Wright had the Hawaii receiver smothered. Yep. And Shager still threw it up for grabs in the back of the end zone. And Dericky Wright made a phenomenal play in the back corner of the end zone. And that was a huge momentum swing because in that first half, Vanderbilt easily should have, could have, probably should have been tied with Hawaii at that point, 21-21. And Vanderbilt gets the ball back and gets a little bit of momentum back on the home sideline. Hey. I keep telling you guys, you need to stop sleeping on Dericky Wright. I've been telling you guys, this guy is an NFL talent. This guy is going to be drafted, and he is going to play in the NFL for a very, very, very long time. It is time for y'all to stop sleeping on my boy Dericky Wright. Trevor was right. I had concerns a little bit. I know he had three picks last year in the secondary, but I thought his speed side to side on the field was going to be an issue. Trevor, you brought him up. You've constantly brought him up in conversations outside the pod. Dericky Wright was phenomenal. And we'll yep. get we'll get into him more as this uh, recap continues and we get into our three main takeaways. Vanderbilt gets the ball back on their fifth possession of the first half. Six minutes, 12 seconds left in the second quarter. Bad possession. Multiple penalties. Uh, false start, delay of game. Eventually, Hawaii's in like this prevent style defense as Vanderbilt has the ball third and 27, dump off to McGowan. Vanderbilt has to punt back to Hawaii. Uh, Vanderbilt gets a stop, uh, three and out, or not three and out. Yep, three and out. Hawaii has to punt uh, back to Vanderbilt. And with 38 seconds left, AJ Swan has an incomplete pass. Then AJ gets sacked. And that is the end of the first half. Vanderbilt leads Hawaii. 21 to 14. How are you feeling at halftime? I was in a really bad mental space. I was um I was not enjoying life. I was not enjoying the ball game. Um I couldn't even enjoy my precious Spirit of Gold marching band as they had a performance. Um at halftime I was absolutely miserable. I just I didn't even go to the bathroom. I didn't get a water. I didn't I just I sat in my seat and I just looked at the ground. And so I was yeah. I was in a really bad mental space. I'm not going to lie. At the end of the first half, I didn't feel good, but the game had played out a little bit like I expected. I thought Vanderbilt would struggle early with, with the run-and-shoot offense. I thought the offense would be able to move the ball pretty well. I did not expect the offensive line to struggle as much as we saw early in the game and throughout the game, and I expected Vanderbilt to come out and absolutely dominate Hawaii in the second half, and I felt lucky to be up by seven receiving the ball. I felt like Vanderbilt should have worse at absolute worst case. Hawaii should have been down four. They should have gotten at least one field goal in one of those situations. And Hawaii honestly just did not capitalize no. on the opportunities that they had throughout this whole game. But getting into the second half, Vanderbilt receives the ball three and out. Not a good possession. 
run for two yard a two yard loss from Patrick Smith on second and four after a pretty good pass to Will Shepard for six yards. The running game could really not get going throughout this entire game. One good run from Patrick Smith on that first possession for a touchdown, and outside of that, there was nothing really. You had one one little uh, what do you call it? Uh, reverse to Logan Kyle oh, yeah, at the, the tight end the, position. The, the double reverse. Yeah, I don't I don't really know what you call that. That but. was um. That was the London Humphreys. No, no, no. It, it wasn't a reverse. It was the handoff on a sweep to Logan Kyle. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm thinking end. of the yeah. wrong play. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Great. That was a great play call, yeah. too. So Vanderbilt punts the ball. Touchback. Huge punt. I think that was the 71-yard punt from Hayball. He that was, was all. So yeah, good. He was hitting bombs. A few that should have been downed inside the one, but Vanderbilt just wasn't able to get there. Something to work on on the special teams. Vanderbilt then forces a three and out from Hawaii. C.J. Taylor gets that uh, shoestring sack there on Shager. Vanderbilt gets the ball back and a great punt return from Will Shepard. How much did you throw up when you saw when you saw Shep start returning that punt? You can ask my dad. As as soon as as I was screaming the whole time, but even before the punt, I was like, "Do not return it! Do not return it!" And we're just watching the ball in the air. I'm just watching. I'm just watching. I'm watching it. And I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, my God, he's not waving. He's not moving his arms. And I'm screaming, <laughs> Will, wave your arms. And he just takes it back. And the the whole time, even though it was a great return, great return. I'm screaming. I'm like, no, 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 no. It was so funny. Justin Kim, shout out to Justin Kim. Finally got to meet him. Great guy. Sitting a couple rows in front of me in section F. <laughs> he just turns around and looks at me and, like, mimics like he's throwing up. And I was like, I, was like, I, I felt nauseous. I, I a little bit of puke. Also interesting. I wonder if they'll keep doing it throughout the throughout the season, or if this was just something they specifically were trying against Hawaii with the two returners uh, in that the punt. Not yeah, not going for the block at all, and having both McGowan and Will Shepard back there to return that punt. Seems like there's an emphasis on creating plays in special teams. That that's kind of something that I that I saw and observed throughout the whole game. This was the drive after the great return from Will Shepard. This was the drive with the Logan Kyle run. Uh, for 13 yards after a good completion from Swan to Will Shepard for 16 yards to get Vanderbilt down to the Hawaii 14. Logan Kyle, good run, great play call for 13 yards down to the Hawaii 1. And then easy money. A.J. Swan to Will Shepard for a one-yard touchdown. Nobody in the country, and I mean that, country, creates better separation in the red zone one-on-one than Will Shepard. Speak on it. I will stand by that statement as we continue to go throughout this year and into the NFL draft. It is unreal how much separation he quickly creates inside of the red zone and in those short yard situations. That's a skill that you see a lot of times in tight ends. Very rare commodity at the wide receiver position. A guy not afraid to go over the middle in those tight windows. He do death taxes and Will Shepard being open. Like Chad Ontro Seagull once said, dude, he seven eleven baby, he's always open. He and we'll get into it later. But one thing that was confirmed in this game that all the Vanderbilt fans already knew was that Will Shepard is an absolute stud and borderline unstoppable. He could not be stopped this whole game. I mean, pretty much. I don't want to get into too much of the evaluation here. Not break into any of the keys to the or to key takeaways of the game, but. Yeah, Will Shepard is pretty damn unstoppable. His mom stopped by the tailgate. Very sweet lady. Very nice. Very sweet. Vander- Are we going to talk about the soft on Sportsmanlike to where he set the ball? I, was about- I, get, I get that Clark Lee was upset, but also, like, dude, what the hell? Like, how are we soft. throwing the flag it, on that? It was a 
it was one of the least disrespectful, if that's even possible, sitting the ball down on the defender's chest. It was nothing. It was nothing egregious. An SEC referee crew would not have called that. No. Uh, absolutely not. Terrible. So Hawaii gets the ball. Vanderbilt's up 28 to 14. Hawaii gets the ball 925 left in the third quarter. They drove. Vanderbilt stopped him on fourth down deep in Vanderbilt's territory. Huge stop by the defense. Hawaii and Timmy Chang inexplicably also burned two timeouts during that possession and then went forward on fourth down from Vanderbilt's 13 and did not get the first down. So no points. This was probably the the key, most key drive to the entire game and how the rest of this game played out. Hawaii burned two timeouts, five plays, 68 yards, again drove down inside of Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt's 20 and got zero points out of it. The, after that, um, after that sequence in the football game, I, I thought it was over. I was like, okay, they've, they've got this in the bag. It's they're about to pour gasoline on the fire. So Vanderbilt gets the ball back Two forty-four left in the third. This is the AJ Swan throw to Gamarion Carter, 41 yards, beautiful, amazing play on third and 10 electric elite play from AJ Swan that was shrouded just a little bit by the fact that the referee crew that repeatedly made horrendously wrong calls throughout the entire game somehow called AJ Swan across the line of scrimmage. I know it was a close call, but isn't that something that you go back and kind of roll the other way is you don't throw that flag and maybe it's called down from the booth if he was past the line of scrimmage. How do you miss that call? Yeah, that's what I thought. But it gets overturned. Good guys win on that review. 41-yard gain gets the rest of that drive going. And then at the beginning of the fourth quarter, A.J. Swan to the hometown kid, the freshman, number 83, London Humphreys, gets his first career college catch, 32 yards for a touchdown. What a play. It was gorgeous. It was a free play. Great recognition from A.J. Swan after the Hawaii defender jumped across. Referees threw the flag. He recognized it was a free play. London Humphreys was running down the field, and he just threw it up. Not even threw it up. Dropped a dime. And I mean, into a bucket there for Humphreys. Beautiful play. Doors go up 35-14. And at that point, much like me, I think a lot of that sideline and a lot of the coaching staff thought it was over. And and I think that the doors took the foot off the gas pedal. Yeah. And uh, it's undeniable. You felt it. You saw it. They thought it was over. Everybody in the stadium thought it was over except for that Hawaii sideline. So, Shout out to Timmy Chang for keeping the boys in it. I mean, that's a great job by the Hawaii coaching staff. Right after you have that drive that you stall inside of the Vanderbilt 20, burn two of your timeouts, and then Vanderbilt immediately on a third and 10 hits a 41-yard bomb to a player when you have them on third and 10 inside their, inside uh, the Vanderbilt side of the field. And then you hit a bomb to London Humphreys. It would have it been very easy for that Hawaii team to quit. Yeah. And and so I'm going to give a shout out to them. It's it's on everybody. It's it's because Vanderbilt took their foot off the gas and Hawaii did not and stayed focused. So I think there's blame to be placed all around, but the rest of this game is absolute chaos. That's the that's the only way I can describe yeah, it. It was yeah, it was a whirlwind. It was and a bad whirlwind at that. I don't know if any whirlwind is good, but this one was particularly this, very very bad. This was a bad whirlwind for sure. 
So Vanderbilt kicks the ball off to Hawaii. Hawaii gets the ball 14 minutes, 48 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Hawaii goes down the field after another pass interference penalty on Tyson Russell. And then they quickly score. Vanderbilt 35, Hawaii 21. I was still feeling okay at this point. It had taken him, you know, three minutes to go down the field, four minutes to go down the field. Obviously not good, but it still felt like Vanderbilt was in full control and could move the ball at pretty much at will against this Hawaii defense. And this is when things fell apart. How did they fall apart like this, Trevor? I, I don't know. But Vanderbilt gets the ball 11 minutes, 20 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Vanderbilt is driving. Go for it on fourth and four at the Hawaii 33. Again, similar spot. Really not a great play by A.J. Swan to throw up a low percentage fade to Gamarion Carter on fourth and four. Didn't like the play call. Don't really know what they were thinking. Obviously, again, Vanderbilt does not have confidence in the kickers at 45-plus or at 40-plus because they went for it in a situation where a field goal pretty much would have ended it and Vanderbilt was at the Hawaii 33. So Vanderbilt turns it over on downs with seven minutes and seven seconds left. In the fourth quarter, Hawaii gets their fourth possession of the second half, and bomb. After a few plays, Hawaii goes for it on fourth and two at the Vanderbilt nine. Wait, am I reading that correctly? Yes, immediately Hawaii hits a bomb for 50 yards from Braden Shager to Pafeli Ashlock. And, and this, who was trailing in this time? I believe, is this not the play that it was like actually really, really good coverage and he just put it where only is not, I mean, he just, he dropped the magnificent ball. It was, it was actually, he only had a step on him. It had to it be was, a perfect pass. It was pretty good. Coverage, it wasn't bad coverage. It had to be a perfect pass and it was a perfect pass. It yeah. wasn't great coverage. It was okay. Good coverage. He was still a step behind him. It wasn't awful coverage on that one, but a 50 yard bomb immediately. And Hawaii goes down the field and scores Vanderbilt. 35, Hawaii, 28. Hawaii only has one timeout at this point. You're still thinking, as long as you recover this onside kick with four minutes and 45 seconds left, everything's going to be fine. Hawaii kicks the ball onside, bounces off of Will Shepard's hands, and Hawaii recovers. Initially ruled on the field that Hawaii had recovered the football, and my heart dropped into my stomach. At that point, I really felt like we were watching a full disaster unfold in front of us. I don't know about you, Trevor, yeah. but when that referee came on, came over, the, came over the speaker system and said the player was out of bounds, and I saw the replay on the makeshift jumbotron, my mood immediately went from absolute disaster to my God, we might not be an absolute embarrassment this evening. Yeah, it was. I mean, it hit Will Shepard right in the breadbasket too. Like it was, it was a perfect onside he, kick. I will say it was a weird angle, but Will should have had, had, had it. Absolutely, the ball's wet. It's a wet evening, but Vanderbilt gets the ball back. Not a good possession again. Vanderbilt's unable to open up any running lanes against this Hawaii defense. A little bit concerning. We'll get into that in our key takeaways, I'm sure. And Vanderbilt punts the ball back to Hawaii. Two minutes, 14 seconds left. Hawaii has a chance to tie the ball game or go for two and win it with two minutes and 14 seconds left. I was about to be physically ill, Trevor. Yeah, I was. I, I also, too, I was uh, in shock. 
I there was this um there was this kid next to me. I'm forgetting his name, but he just like we sort of became like buddies throughout the game. And like I'm I'm literally so you're gonna have to watch this on the video, but I'm sitting like this. Just covering my face, just massaging my temple. I look like I'm on the brink of death. And this kid just leans over to me. He's like, so do you watch hockey? <laughs> and I just look at him and I go, no. <laughs> and I'm just like, disgusted. I'm, I'm like, bro, I'm, I want to choke you out right now. <laughs> I really like, I want to, like, I want to put you in a chokehold and I'm not going to let up. It was bad. But after a really weird call to run the ball on first down for Hawaii, cool it. it was very odd. Hawaii at two minutes, 14 seconds, no timeouts, runs the ball, five-yard gain. They don't get the next snap off until a minute 43, second and five from their own 25. Pressure right in the face of Shager, hit him right as he released the ball. And Dericky Wright kind of hid behind the referee just a little bit and jumped the route, jumped right in front of it, second pick of the game. Unselfishly, I want to add, as Phoebe almost falls off again and is biting Trevor, unselfishly slides down. Definitely could have returned that for a touchdown, I think, watching the replay. Chose to slide down and seal the game. Vanderbilt kneels down and sneaks out of week zero against Hawaii with a 35-28 to victory. Trevor, that was a lot. I need a little break. Sounds like Phoebe needs a little break because she is going absolutely bananas over here. But, Trevor, we're going to get into stats and our three main takeaways right after the TDR cocktail break. Welcome back from your cocktail break. Hope you have an ice-cold beverage, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, sitting next to you now as we read through the box score that I wanted to do before the cocktail break, but Phoebe, the the executive producer of this podcast, oh God, as she, she jumps is. up on the table again, decided to attack the flag. So Phoebe, I don't have to be removed from the premises unless you chillax she? a little bit. But I'm going to run through the box score really quickly. Just wrote down some key stats. AJ Swan, 19 of 30 for 258, three touchdowns, no picks, 61.5 QBR. The only Hawaii stat I'll read off, Braden Shager went 27 of 35 for 351, three touchdowns, but two picks and a 53.8 QBR. Running backs, the rushing game. The second leading rusher was Logan Kyle with one carry for 13 yards. Patrick Smith, seven carries for 30 yards and one touchdown, 21 of which came on one carry on the first possession of the game. Chase Gillespie, six carries, 13 yards with a long carry of six yards. Jaden McGowan, two carries, 411 yards with a long of nine, with a long of nine yards. From the receivers, Jaden McGowan was the leading receiver. Six receptions, 72 yards with a long of 32. Shep, Will Shepard, two touchdowns, six catches, 68 yards. Gamarion Carter, that one huge catch for 41 yards. London Humphreys, the hometown kid, one catch, 32 yards, and a tutty. For the freshman, Chase Gillespie, two really good, really good catches out of the backfield from him. The bright spot of the game for him, two catches, 17 yards with a long of 13. Richie Hoskins, one reception, 13 yards. Quincy Skinner, only the one catch for 10 yards and the two-point conversion uh, that doesn't count in the old stat book as a full reception. And Justin Ball, one catch for five yards. C.J. Taylor, the leading tackler on the team, nine tackles 
four solo tackles and one sack. Vanderbilt had three sacks and eight tackles for loss. Hawaii also had three sacks and nine tackles for loss. That's something I didn't expect to happen is to be is for Hawaii to have more tackles for loss than Vanderbilt. But Trevor, after that quick run through of the box score, it's time for our three keys, three key takeaways from the Vanderbilt Hawaii game. Trevor, what's your number one? My number one is CJ Taylor's a dog. CJ Taylor. I mean, it's hard for somebody like after the season he had last year, it's hard to look better than that. But dear God, what a first Phoebe. Oh my God. She's being cool now. Um, but oh my God, what a first game he had was this cat, as I swear to God. Yep, just stay away, Phoebe. Um, had an absolutely incredible game, was all over the field, was a game wrecker, pass coverage, run game, tackles for loss, sacks. He was absolutely awesome. He was everything you wanted him to be and more. I'm glad you put in CJ Taylor because he's not in my three main takeaways because he was who we thought he was going to be. Yeah. He was the guy. I think he was better than what I thought. Yeah. He, he was the man on defense. He was flying around the field. He was everywhere. My key number one is going to be positive, And it's my only positive takeaway of these three main takeaways. And that is Swan and the playmakers are exactly what we thought they were going into this year. Quincy Skinner was limited, had a, had a slight injury. I think he was, it was probably one of those situations where he could have played, uh, but they wanted to be cautious this early in the year. He already had the hamstring issue last year. That's what the issue was again. You're not wanting to re-aggravate that, but Will Shepard was everything. He lived up to the hype, if not exceeded it. Two touchdowns, both at key moments. Only He did have the one drop, but that was it. I imagine he did have a few drop issues last year, Nothing terrible. I expect that to kind of probably be one of the only drops you see out of Will Shepard the entire season. There's something to be said for a true sophomore quarterback in A.J. Swan with all the hype that's been around him and this receiving group all offseason to come out and be everything that we expected. A.J. Swan was sharp. He had a couple a couple plays where he missed guys. There was one where Jaden McGowan was running wide open through the seam. There was another where he threw a ball that probably should have been intercepted by Hawaii and probably taken back for a pick six. But I think that was a miscommunication with Quincy on the route he was supposed to be running. Looked like he kind of held up or thought he was a decoy. AJ, Will Shepard, and Jaden McGowan were as good, if not better, than we could have expected. Yeah, I absolutely agree, especially Will. I mean, it's hard to put into words how absolutely dominant he was. Uh, my key takeaway number two is the offensive line was absolutely embarrassing. Um, no other way to put it. I, uh, I love coach blaze. I love the offensive line. Um, I'm a particular fan of just offensive line play in general. Um, but going up against a very small Hawaii front, um, they were pretty embarrassing in every facet of the game, pass pro run block, um, everything, a lot of procedural penalties. Uh, Will and I went back and we rewatched the game. Uh, particularly Vanderbilt's offense was pretty good in the RPO game. I felt um, the offensive line looked discombobulated in the, in the RPO game. A lot of guys didn't know what their assignment was, didn't know who they were taking on as they were peeling. Um, uh, uh, 
I mean, I don't know what else to say other than it was it was an embarrassing performance by the offensive line. Do I think that's who they are? No, not yet. It's it's week zero. Um, maybe knocking a little bit of rust off. I don't know. I don't think that's who they are. Um, but I mean, overall, just a very, very, very embarrassing performance by the offensive line. Um, in my thing, especially in the run blocking game, we should have been able to just lean on them and assert uh, the the size that the offensive line has and the dominance. Um, but we couldn't couldn't get the run game going. It wasn't because of the running backs. It wasn't because of Cheeks. It wasn't because of Guap. It was it was because the offensive line just couldn't get holes open. Yeah, we went back. Me and Trevor did and rewatched the entire game. A lot of plays, multiple times, and and rewatching what happened. My number two key to the game is also the offensive line. I mean, it hits exactly on what you're saying. We don't share these before before the episode, and it's the exact same as yours, Trevor, is we both expected this offensive line to get into rhythm and to get into groove. The grease gang, start greasing the wheels, start gr- greasing the cogs. That's what we thought we would see, and we did not see that at all. This Hawaii defensive line was much improved from last year. Overall, the Hawaii team was much improved, but the offensive line should have been able to still bully this wide defense. And after rewatching the game, because it's always a different perspective from when you're watching in person and tied into the emotion of the game, it wasn't that the offensive line was getting bullied or getting pushed back or, or missing. It was just like they were not picking up on who they were supposed to be blocking. The communication was not there. They were getting confused by stunts, by twists. Uh, Occasionally, there were times when a Zebu got burned. Occasionally, there were times when guys whiffed. That happens. It's early. But a lot lot of it just looked like miscommunication. If you listen to this podcast, you know we are a big fan of the Grease Gang. I think if they evaluated their own performance, and if Coach Blazik evaluated their performance, they would say they sucked. And they did. Swan was getting hit a lot, which is what made his performance even more impressive, is he was getting rocked by this Hawaii defense. And I think you'll see a different offensive line against Alabama A&M, hopefully. But going into that Wake Forest game, this offensive line has to step it up. Because why that's my number two key takeaway is we expected this not to be a weakness of this team. We, we thought the offensive line would be possibly a strength, but definitely not a weakness. And they were, they were the most glaring weakness outside of my key number three on the entire team. Yeah, I mean, they just they weren't good. Um, key number three, I'm, I'm not going to go secondary because that was incredibly obvious, and I think that's probably going to be your number, your number three. Um, my number three key takeaway is defensive scheme uh, really pissed me off. Uh, with that being said, I will I will explain a little bit. Um, Vanderbilt was dropping seven and eight so often. A lot of the times they were only bring three man pressure. I get that in a ideal world, in a perfect world, you would love to get pressure only bringing three, but it wasn't getting it done. And you know with how bad the secondary is that you're going to have to create pressure up front to relieve some of that pressure that the back end of the defense is feeling. And Nick Howell just, I don't think he didn't, he didn't blitz enough. He didn't bring enough pressure. It wasn't, and I'm not saying you have to be exotic. I'm not saying he had to bring corner blitzes, safety blitzes, run all these uh, intricate stunts. Just bring an extra man. Just do something 
to alleviate some of that stress that the secondary is going to feel, especially, especially whenever you're going to have someone like BJ Anderson up in a man's face. I thought it was, I, I prefer if I'm, if, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I, and as, and as a fan, I prefer to see those defensive backs playing closer to the line of scrimmage, uh, maybe getting a jam, maybe uh, disrupting the route a little bit. They did that sometimes, uh, and then when they did, they got burned. But dear God, whenever you drop seven or eight back and you had BJ and Tyson uh, and Martell playing six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards off the line of scrimmage, that's not helping either. I mean, I feel like freaking Martell, and this isn't, I mean, it's he needs to improve on tackling, but whenever you're asking him to line up 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, brother got comeback routed to death, mm-hmm. I felt like. Same thing with Tyson, like, and I think it starts up front. You know, you even with Darren Agu out, even with Davion Davis out, even with Prince Colley out, you know you have a talented front with those linebackers, that defensive line. Bring some freaking pressure, dude. Like it's not I, I get it. You want you want to get pressure with four, you want to get pressure with three. Yeah, I, I would love for Vanderbilt to have that happen against a, a smaller front like Hawaii, but early on it really wasn't. And so you need to look in the mirror and be like, hey, let your pride down and let's just bring some dudes and let's create chaos in the backfield. And they just didn't do that enough. You know, this is one of the rare times, you know, after re-watching, I'm going to have to disagree a little bit. Uh, I, I think this is a unique situation with this offense that Hawaii runs. I think the run and shoot wants you to send pressure and send blitzes, especially. And, and I really, truly think this. I don't like calling out individual guys. This gets into my number three, number three key. The secondary really is as awful as we had feared. I mean, the Braden Shager played well and he threw some really good passes. Okay. There were some times when maybe the coverage was only a step behind uh, and he dropped the ball in a bucket, but this Hawaii receiving core is pitiful and their offensive line is pitiful. Overall, I mean, we'll see against Stanford how they perform, and it's going to tell us a lot more about this Hawaii team, even coming off short rest. But you shouldn't be giving up 351 yards to anybody, even if it's seven on seven with seven seconds in the pocket. It just shouldn't happen. I mean, these are can- their number one receiver is a Kansas transfer. I mean, they, they didn't have anybody with over 312 yards receiving returning on an already not great Hawaii offense. So it, that is my number three key is the secondary struggles were even worse than, than I thought. I mean, consistently guys just getting directly run by, I can see why Martel height isn't playing currently as a starter because multiple times he just missed tackles. I, I think he might be the best cover guy. Currently, I'm not at practice every day. He might be in one-on-one drills, the best cover guy, but right now against SEC receivers, he's going to get bullied. They're going to wide receiver screen him to death if you put him out on an island right now. So I don't think there's a solution. I think the safeties are solid. I thought Jalen Mahoney was a little slow out there, it just, just honestly. But Dericky Wright was really solid. C.J. Taylor, we know what he's capable of. I don't know how you scheme – scheme much more against a team like Hawaii that's running that unique offense that's that's just looking to push the ball down the field and get the ball out of the hands of the quarterback quickly and I thought Shager did a good job 
when the pocket did collapse, bouncing outside, feeling the pressure. I thought he was much improved from last year. So I'm going to put it more on the secondary. I just think they couldn't cover long enough to allow the pressure to get home fully more than it was an issue the other way around. So I'm going to put it that it was a unique offense they were facing is why you didn't see as many blitzes. If that continues as Vanderbilt plays Alabama A&M, plays the slow mesh in Wake Forest, and plays at UNLV, if you continue to see consistent three-man rushes, four-man rushes, and very rare blitzes, then then I will take that same concern and have it as a main takeaway. But against Hawaii, I just think this offense is so different. But the secondary has a lot of improvement ahead of them. And and I don't know if Tyson Russell and BJ Anderson are going to get the job done. Where the hell was Trudell Berry? Where was he? Why that did was he not I, why did Trudell Berry about, not play? I, we heard a lot about him throughout camp. Consistently I feel like, I think BJ Anderson got a hundred percent of the snaps to the boundary. We were we were consistently hearing that Trudell Berry was pushing for the job of starting cornerback and we didn't see him at all we saw a lot of Savion Riley he was the Savion had a great game he did he He had a really good game he was tied for the second leading tackler on the team with eight total tackles Langston Patterson also had eight total tackles Martel Height was actually the fourth leading tackler on the team with four total tackles this game so where was he are we going to see him versus Alabama A&M I don't I mean I don't know I don't I don't know why I don't know why you didn't see him at all this game it doesn't it really doesn't make any sense to me a win is a win. That's all that matters. No matter how ugly. It is what it is. A dub is a dub. The fact that we're sitting here complaining after a win, as Phoebe licks herself, the fact we're sitting here complaining let it go. after an ugly win, that is progress. After two years ago, we were celebrating wins over UConn and Colorado State on last-second kicks like we had won the SEC championship. So, Vanderbilt fans, things are still moving in the right direction. Was it disappointing? Absolutely. But you have another quote unquote preseason game ahead against Alabama AM September 2nd at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Please, for the love of God, do not rain. Please, universe. Do we know what the please do we have a, a forecast right now? I'm sure the weather channel does. I know it can change, but I just want to I'm wondering what it is right now. Right now, let's look it up live. Because all week we we had heard it was just gonna be hot and sunny, and then right at kickoff, the lightning literally decided. one freaking Hawaii fan pointed up to the sky and they go, Rain clouds. It and got I just dark looked at him and I was like, dude, why did you have to say that? All right, we are looking up the forecast currently, right now. It looks like a high of 89, low of 64. 10% precipitation. No, it, it looks like no rain in the forecast. That's, we're looking at it. Oh, sorry. That right there. Precip. It looks like nothing. It Love looks, it. Currently. I don't know how accurate this is right now. It looks like we're not going mostly sunny weather on Saturday. We will monitor this and keep everyone updated on the TDR Twitter as the weather progresses. Please, 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 rain, rain, go away, come again, another day. Vanderbilt, Alabama A&M Bulldogs coming up next Saturday. We'll have a preview later in this week. For myself, Will Byram, and Trevor Hoolan, this has been episode 233 of The Door Report, presented by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. Anchor down, let's ride, and let's get gritty.
Go Doors, baby. Woo!